Welcome to this special presentation of the Smooth Thrills Radio Hour. Have fun, everyone. Joining us on today's program is a very special guest whose acting credits include Angel Dusted, Men at Work, Same River Twice, Impure Thoughts, Welcome to 18, Curfew, Fugitive Mind, Skeeter, Camp Nowhere, The Sure Thing, Room for Two, One Day at a Time, and Star Trek The Next Generation. His directorial credits include tons of television shows such as Ugly Betty, Scrubs, Cougar Town, American Housewife, and Beetleborgs. <laughs> he also you did the TV scrubs. movie. You did left I said out scrubs? scrubs? Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, you did a Sorry. lot. There's a lot to leave we'll out. Name it All twice. right. Yeah. There's a lot to leave yeah. out. Uh, he also did the TV remake of The Poseidon Adventure, and in the words of the great Jim Wynorski, of the three Poseidon adventures, his is the longest. His directorial work. Yeah, yeah. His directorial work in film seamlessly spans both mainstream and truly independent fare, including Valerie Flake, Mojave Phone Booth, Beethoven's Christmas Adventure, American Pie Presents The Book of Love. The Father and the Bear, Bachelor Man, Atlas Shrugged Part 2, Where There's a Will, and the Route 30 Trilogy. And on top of all that, he portrayed Sean Brody in Jaws 3D. And was this close to make it in, in the water last night. <laughs> it is our absolute pleasure and smooth thrill to welcome John Putch to our wacky proceedings. What Thank you, sir. Amazing. An amazing intro. Thank I you. Should, I should let you do Thank the intro for the Thank show you. from now on. Yes. <laughs> that was great. I was waiting for you to, to skip the Route 30 trilogy, but you put it in there. Thank you. Of course. Well, yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> skip that. It's greatness, man. Oh, my God. Fun. So that's, uh, that's a long, uh, you know, I counted up my TV directing the other, not last year, and it was, I'm up to 118 Jesus. episodes wow. of television. Wow. And, uh, I know that's it. There are people who have 600 that I know, but uh, I felt uh, when I reached 100, I thought I could, well, I'll start counting now and uh, feel good about my my history there on the TV set. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what's going on with uh, speaking of that? Are you currently working on anything? Are you still shut down or? Pretty shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm working on some stuff here. I'd like to do another home movie, another small indie, another micro budget. And I'm working on a couple of ideas for that. And, but until, uh, until Hollywood goes back to work, I'm just, you know, standing by. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we're ready for the next indie, indie flick from you, man. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yes. I got some yes. funny ideas. <laughs> just got to find the dough to make it. That's all. Same old story. Yeah. Yeah. These, you, most of your productions are self-financed, are they not? Yes. And the reason I like to do that is, well, as I said, when I started working in television as a director, I was using the money for good instead of evil. And uh, uh, I chose to pay for them myself because I really didn't feel right about asking other people for money. And uh, so I, I had a savings account. And every time I did a TV show, I would 
put some away in this little account. And when I had enough to shoot something, I would go, I'm making a movie. And that's how Mojave and the Route 30 trilogy and Father and the Bear went. And like starting with the Route 30 trilogy in like 07, I have to basically thank Bill Lawrence, the great uh, television writer and producer who created Scrubs and Cougar Town, among others. Uh, he basically kept me working for 10 years and every, uh, he would just, guy gave me a ton of work and I so appreciate it. And I used, you know, <laughs> the most of that money to make these movies. And every time I'd come back from the summer shooting, I'd see Bill on the set. I go, Bill, I'd big hug. And I thank him again for the work. I'd say, you know, you just financed another movie this past <laughs> summer. He goes, no, nah. I go, yes. And you should do it sometime. It's fun. He goes, no, nah, I'll never do that. I go, come on. You could do it. In a second. Yeah. So anyway, thanks, mm. Bill Lawrence, for uh, financing basically uh, an entire trilogy. And, and the, uh, the last one I made, The Father and the Bear, the drama. Yeah. So. yeah thank you indeed, man. Yeah, yeah I, love, I love those flicks, man. I've oh, not seen The Father and the Bear yet, I have to say. I, and I'm not. I, yeah, I, so I got to see the third Route 30 also. But oh. I'm almost oh, there. The, you haven't seen the third? I've seen it the two wraps, thirds of the trilogy. Okay. Oh, it wraps the whole thing. I can't wait to hear what you say. Okay. <laughs> all questions answered in part three. Okay. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, so I'm guessing this might be, uh, if we talk about Jaws 3D prior, this would be your first feature film role, is it not? It was. Because I don't remember that, doing any features before then. But you did Angel Dusted, the TV movie, which was mm -hmm. quite the feat. Yeah. Yeah, that was a huge job. That was a big tentpole TV movie for NBC. My mother was in it. Uh, I had to audition 80 million times. I got, the, this, I got the part, thankfully. I'm sure it was just to make her feel good. But anyway, at the time, I thought I deserved it. So uh, I, I yeah, I did this Angel Dusted TV movie. And, and then I started going out on a lot of stuff. And I guess that was one of them because it was right around the same time or right after. I think Angel Dust was 81 yeah. and the auditioning and the shooting of J3D was uh, in 82, came out in 83. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. by the way, fascinating fact, when we were shooting J3D in Orlando, Florida, a little known television sitcom called Cheers debuted. Never heard of On it. NBC. Damn. Yeah. And I remember... <laughs> Sitting in my apartment or condo, whatever it was, and I remember the the big kickoff debut, and me and a few other people gathered and and watched it. Wow! We just th those days are over. Yeah, the events TV watching parties, you know. Well, the events of television is yeah like the event such of a television. Big deal. Yeah, the yeah. Event of Speaking of television, we got the TV guide that has the uh, promotional for uh, Joe's no 3D. Kidding. Never <laughs> seen that. Really? What's the date? What's the date on that? It is uh, July 16 to 22. So 22 was the wow. was that Friday yeah. when it released wide, the yep. movie. That's right. July 22. And, wow. Look at that fold out. And Nathan, you were telling me before before we even got you on the line here that they did this for every Jaws movie. They did this same fold They did out it for? from the original Jaws. Jaws 2 no, had two issues of TV Guide. They had a teaser poster and then they wow. had a release poster. And they also did it for Jaws the Revenge. Wow, I don't know of any other franchise that has done that in TV no. Guide, at least. Yeah, I, I've never seen that. Some people don't even know what a TV Guide is. Yeah, who else is on the cover? What, what's 
Is that oh, like Dukes of Hazard? What is it? Oh, you got your uh, is that Tom, Tom Selleck, Selleck up there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You got your Pierce Brosnan here. Oh, it's the doctor's issue. Yeah. The TV hunks issue from a woman's Oh, the TV hunks issue. Oh my God! Wow. And this is actually really cool. This is a Pennsylvania-based TV guide here. Well, Radner, PA, isn't that where they originated? Is that where they? Perhaps, yeah, Radner, yeah. PA. Okay, wow. okay, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was my first movie. I don't remember making one prior to that, other than the Super 8 movies I made when I was a kid, and I was in those. So it was your, <laughs> it was your first movie? I believe it was also Leah Thompson's first movie. It was beyond Leah Thompson's. It might have been her first job, because she was reportedly had just come down from Philadelphia. She was a dancer. Mm-hmm. A ballet person and had just come out of uh, school or, oh, no, you know what? She had done the Kentucky Fried Chicken commercial. Oh, with and the, she was wearing the shoe. That big, that big oh, uh, wow. brown hat. No, it was, it was either that or a Burger King. No, you know what? Elizabeth Shue was Kentucky Fried Chicken. Leah had like a Burger King commercial or, or okay. one of those fast food commercials she hit, and, mm. that, and that was it, or a Wendy's or something. And um, yeah, I, I don't believe she had ever um, done a movie. Because so. yeah. we were tr- we were debating before we started here whether this J three was shot first or all the right moves was shot first because I believe that was her second film released that October. All the all the right moves came right after. Right after it. Yeah. And yeah Bess Armstrong had just been in Jekyll and Hyde together again. Yes, with Mark Blankfield. That's a year great before. One. My God, Mark Blankfield. Remember him? Yeah. Uh, he was that guy was talented. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I didn't even I haven't even thought of that guy since till you mentioned his name. Mm-hmm. I remember him so well. Yeah, Bess was just just did High Road to China. I was talking oh. all about it because she had just uh she had just married or was getting married, I think, I, to the first AD uh at the time. She's no longer with that guy. I remember she was talking about that and Dennis had just come off of uh Dennis Quaid had just come off of uh, the right stuff. So he had oh, his yeah. pilot's license and he was all into renting, you know, private pl- planes and taking us up in, you know, and for plane rides and stuff. Wow. So he was still in his astronaut mode. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and on day, uh, opening day of Epcot center in Orlando, which was next door to where they were putting us and where we shot, Dennis flew me around the Epcot center in, in, in this private plane. Jesus. Wow. Production there insurance well, didn't you know, have a problem with Piper. that? <laughs> What's that? Production insurance didn't have a problem with that kind of thing going on? Yeah, they probably did. Uh, they probably, <laughs> they, if they found out, they probably did. But, you know, and he also probably was... Uh, okay, yeah, understandable. Not all, not 100% at the time, if you know what I mean. He was having fun. He was yeah, having he, fun. There, yeah. was a, there was a lot of that going on hmm. when I was there which I did not partake in, by the way. I was the only 20-year-old square on the set. I swear to God. Really? Wow. Oh, yeah. 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 Good for you, man. So uh, going back to Angel Dusted, there is a Jaws 3D connection with Angel Dusted. Mm, Aside from, okay, tell me. You guys work with Percy Rodriguez, who did the voiceover for the trailer of all the Jaws films. (laughs) Uh, the third dimension is terror. So he did, what was he in wow. uh, Angel Dusted? Oh, he's the Percy. Yeah. Percy's the doctor. Yeah, yeah. I loved him. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, he was no primarily, un, I mean, he was a great character actor, but he was primarily yep. known for his voiceover work. 
you know, as far and, as like, and he did a very famous Star Trek episode. Yeah. Uh, you know, the original Star Trek. He was a huge episode. Yeah. He was right. like the, the main person on it, the guest star. Mm. I to- yeah. totally remember. I remember that mostly, but I wouldn't know because I didn't know he did the voiceover because that was all done in post after the fact and we oh, were yeah. long gone. The voiceover for this is what you're saying? Yeah. This trailer right the here. Actual... It's wow. Is that Mag Track? Uh, I, I don't, don't know. Oh, is that the 35 trailer? That's 35 millimeter, yeah. Nice. Property of National Screen Archives. So we're, I've been know. meaning to return it, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> did, 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 and, um, is that a 3D trailer? No, probably no, not. No, it's flat. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't think there um, was a 3D trailer for it. I don't I think, think it was, was just either. the teaser primarily that was out there. And it well, was, they, to do the 3D trailer, they would have had to take the giant 3D lens thing off yeah. the projector and replace it with the new lens for the movie they were showing, unless that was in 3D also. Right. I was going to say, unless that was in 3D. I don't know. I, knew, I wasn't around for any of the previews. Oh, the... the weird lenses they put on those projectors just look crazy they're like yeah. gigantic and had mirrors in them and everything it was technically just you don't understand how it could have worked at all from looking at the thing yeah yeah i remember um the complaint from jimmy Contner, the dp was that the they developed whatever they called the one they did this movie and it was where they split a 35 millimeter right. frame into two Top One was bottoms. left, yeah. top and bottom, left and right. And I think that was the rage at the time. It was the RE Vision 3D process. It was one of about four, I think, that were moving around at the time. You I had think it was introduced with this one, wasn't it? McNabb 3D. I don't know. Um, the complaint was is that there wasn't enough light. Right. There wasn't enough information in, in a half of a 35 frame to give you a good looking picture. So when it went flat, you know, for yeah. television everywhere else, that's why it looks pretty uh, crappy. Well, you notice it yeah. especially in two ways is in the home video version of this movie, the universal logo comes up off center off, like off to one side because it's, is that right? No one bothered to, to no. uh, reposition and, it. And it, everything around the edges of the frames just chromatically aberrates like crazy. And every, if you're too close to the edges of the frame, it just starts looking really squirrely and weird. Yeah. Wow. And, the, and the resolution issue, it just, it's, it's grainy as all get out. Cause they can only use, like I said, the top half of the frame. Mm-hmm. I think um, oh, yeah. Amityville 3D was shot in the same process, mm-hmm. and Friday the 13th 3D, I believe, was also shot in the same process, but given a slightly different name than Ari Vision. Oh, okay, because that was before Jaws 3D. That was mm-hmm. in 82. Space Hunter was McNabb 3D, whatever that was. That was a big one, Space Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> well, we had this brief run of 3D movies in the 80s. Yep. Where, mm-hmm. And um, one thing I wanted to ask about is... was. One, was there anything you remember from being on set that was done differently, like blocking or anything like that to better facilitate the 3D? Or yes, is it just that we didn't have much experience unless you were coming up through the 1950s, which was the heyday. There weren't a lot of 3D movies shot in the 60s and 70s, maybe 12, 13, mm-hmm. possibly, mm-hmm. until we got the new what was supposed to be the rebirth of 3D in the 80s. So was it just that? There wasn't that much experience on board to know how to do it or how to overcome the technical parts of it. I don't think so. I think it to me it's cyclical. They always pull it out. They dust it off every decade <laughs> to yeah. make to for another you know reason to get ticket sales. Sure. I mean every the last three rounds of 3D, you just go, really? What? What mm. is going on here? And it seemed to be the case then. Rem- remember uh, House of Wax yeah. and yeah. Dr. Fibes and all those? That, that was, those were some good ones. 
Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I don't know why those worked better than the ones, you know, in the 80s and the late 70s. But there was a whole, they called it uh, conforming or something. And Chris Condon was there, the, the, and there was another guy um, that were overseeing the 3D. Mm-hmm. And um, you couldn't, they had to be really careful with uh, where your hand was on the plane of your body. And there was, there was times where you say, no, 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 don't stick your hand out because we won't, it, it, it will disappear if you do. And there were things like, things like that, that you had to be mindful of that huh. were not, I didn't quite understand, but it had, it had to do with where the lens was focused mm-hmm. and where, how that sat with, um, with the three-dimensional business and the glasses and all that stuff. And there was, wow. there were some restrictions that they had to or we were told to to look out for. And I think, you know, so it, it took longer. I just remember it being a, taking a really long time, but I didn't care. I was just, just a young <laughs> kid and I'd never, you know, I, I was in a movie for the first time. I, I had a, a, a nice part and uh, I was being treated as an equal to the rest. And mm. I, I didn't care. It was like, a, it was a, a, a wonderful, wonderful experience for a young man you know it, it really looked actor. like everybody involved was having a pretty good time doing this thing i mean you can you can kind of tell with some movies where yeah. they're just don't want to be there this mm-hmm. is one of those where it looked like you know they're just we're in florida we're it's sunny out we're having a great time making a movie <laughs> why not because the fun is infectious i think yeah especially the brotherly connection between you and dennis quaid comes off those well. came off well yeah the, and you're that was yeah. nice the relationship he has with Bess Armstrong, the one you have yeah. with Leo Thompson. Well, and, yeah. He was so remarkably relaxed at the time. I mean, he was big, big guns at that time. And, you know, the guy's from Texas. He's a friendly guy, amiable, genial. It's just a sweet guy and uh, was very host-like to everybody. He just set the tone. So he made mm. it really easy to, to relax. And then, you know, the, the big... Big big gun was Lou Gossett, yeah, uh, yeah. Junior. Who everyone was just like, Lewis it's G- Lou Gossett Junior. Lewis Gossett. Know, the, well, the guy was the, in every was, other movie released between like 1980 and 1986. It seems like, yeah. <laughs> and of course, Officer and a Gentleman had just happened, and he oh, had his Oscar, and yeah. so he, he had the went, Oscar by he, the time he was making this. Yes, because okay. that was 81, I think, and uh, he he had come off of that, and. He was the sweetest guy. And I used to make him say, don't you eyeball me, boy. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> and uh, he's a good, he was a good guy. You know, I, uh, I, 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 I saw him one other time since that movie. And it must have been a five-year lapse. And he, he, to his credit, remembered me and uh, gave me a nice hug and everything. I do not know if... If he saw me today, he wouldn't know who the hell I was because I looked nothing like mm. that. But was that Keeper of the City? To, uh, I didn't work with him in that. Okay, yeah. I wondered if yeah, I couldn't remember if you had scenes with him or not. Yeah. No, no. But I might have. No, I don't remember coming across him on that. I know we were in that same. I forgot all about that. Um, yeah, no. Uh, I w- uh, If I saw him today, I would give him a big hug and re- and say I I had a great time. That's what I do now. When you get to this point and you get, you know, nowadays we get to talk to the people from our past and the, and that we worked with or, or liked. And, you know, we have all this media to, to, to interact with. And now when I, I see someone I've worked with a long time ago, if they remember me, I do like to tell them, you know, how much it meant to me and 
you know, if it was a good experience or not, because mm. I, if someone said that to me, I would appreciate it. Sure. You know? no, so, so I like to do that now. And then sometimes I'll walk up to an actor in a restaurant or, or, you know, if, if it's appropriate, I'll go, Hey, and I'll, I'll say hi to them and fully expecting them to remember me. Zippo. <laughs> they don't remember nothing. Literally that happened to me with Tim Robbins one day. Oh, at a, no. oh yeah. At a restaurant. I mean, I, I spent two, three weeks with the guy on the sure thing. I mean, we ate together. We rode in cars together. We Is that because together. that was so early for him and his career? Maybe he just wrote it off? I have no idea. And then I'd come to see his wow. plays, uh, oh, you know, at, no. at his, uh, at his uh, theater company in L.A. And, and I saw him, I don't know, maybe five years ago in Studio City at a restaurant with his kids or something. And he walked past. I went, hey, Tim. It's John Putch. And he goes, excuse me? Oh, and, shit. <laughs> and I went, oh. I went, uh, sure thing. Three weeks together in Sacramento. <laughs> I played the da-da. We did this together. He, he looked at me, he goes, I'm sorry, I do not remember that, is what he said. Oh. At least he remember making the movie? Or? <laughs> yeah. wow. I don't know. But anyway, it was awkward. So that's when I, my wife said, well, that's why you never say anything to anyone oh, anymore wow. out in public unless they invite, uh, unless they uh, recognize you first. Anyway. Yeah. But now I like to do that. If, if I believe they'll remember me, I will do that. But I always think of the Tim Robbins moment when, when it comes, wow. when it comes over me. Wow. <laughs> but you know what? If Jim Winarski saw me, he'd go Johnny Putch. Fuck yeah. Johnny Putch. <laughs> <laughs> Reach his arms out. I got great stories about that guy. You know, oh, I want to wow. make a documentary about him because the proper one has never been made. You know, oh, there was a God, one made. That would be amazing. Seriously? There was one made wow. by him by, uh, about uh, one movie he did, and it, it's called uh, it's called Nick Papatopoulos, or it's something called it's called Papatopoulos. Is is a documentary? Have you ever seen it? No, I'm not. Mm-hmm. Oh, you got to love Wynorski. I don't know why I've not seen this. Oh, you got to no. look it up. It's some amazing behind the scenes footage of him shooting like the hills have thighs or something. It was one of those movies. Okay. One of his brilliant titled yes. movies. And <laughs> anyway, it, I've always said to him, I said, Jim, we have to make the proper documentary. He goes, I'm ready. I'm ready. I, I think I'm going to, I got to interview myself. I got to, I said, get footage, sit down, talk about everything. I'll do the rest. And then we never got around to it. Oh, oh man, you got to. You got to. I know. He just turned, he just had a birthday. Uh, anyway, oh, he's man. an older guy. How old would he be now? I believe. 60? Really? Oh, yeah. Late. Too bad. I mean, yeah. he started with Corman back in like the mm. very early 80s, maybe late 70s. I don't, I don't know why I think. It, oh, he was born in 1950. So what is that? Oh, he's 69. That's math. 70. I can't do that. If he just had a birthday, he's 70. Then. <laughs> wow. Yeah, August 14th. Wow. Yeah, no, Jim, the great Jim Wynorski. Yeah. You should get him on your show. Oh, my oh, God. God. You, you'd go on for three, four parts oh, <laughs> talking God. about his career. His behind the scenes on one of the, one of the movies I was in for him, uh, we used to call it Crash Point Crapo, but the, uh, the movie was Crash <laughs> Point Zero. Treat Williams? One of them, him oh, or man. Howie, not uh, the uh, who's the other football player? Brian Bosworth. It's one of those. Oh wow! Okay. The plane, the plane crashes, and they're out in the snow, and they use the footage from Cliffhanger. You know, the plane uh, crash and Cliffhanger. 
Anyway, <laughs> on the on the behind the scenes, he goes, comes up and goes, and there's Johnny Putch. There's Johnny Putch. You know, his mother's the dingbat. What? <laughs> That's all he said. Uh, I love it. Oh, he's great. <laughs> anyway, sorry, sidetrack. Well, you can't talk about, you know, monster movies oh without including yeah. Jim. No, you know? no. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm the king of derailments on this show, so he's oh, used are? to okay. it. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Clearly, clearly, you both have no time issues. Otherwise, you'd be moving things along. <laughs> we just wouldn't like, want to waste your like time. Tangent, we're tangenting <laughs> off into areas you'll never. Anyway, try to keep it very organic. Yeah. What, <laughs> yeah, definitely. One thing I wanted okay. to ask about is what is standoff? Because outside of Jaws 3D, I don't think I've seen or heard of this bar game anywhere yeah i never heard of it either i mean i i, I would have to i mean i know what it was because we had to do it in the movie it seemed like a just a dumb masculine game that somebody made up i don't know if that was gottlieb or a regional thing or one of the other guys i, I have no i have no idea that, well, it I mean, seems it was very really, plausible though like in the bar atmosphere it very, seems like that would have either seems been like, a thing or would have caught on yeah, and I don't know why. I mean, when you when you have darts and shuffleboard and all that other stuff, why would so, you need standoff? So but, no one's done a standoff movie like they did arm wrestling with over the top. <laughs> there you go. Stallone. That needs to happen. <laughs> yeah, a little Lincoln Hawk action. Could call it that down on the ground and just have a guy on the poster pushing someone <laughs> over a table or something. That's right. <laughs> and uh, trivia in that standoff scene, if it's still in the movie, right before, I guess Leah comes up and challenges me. I don't remember. No, you, she's already competing. Yeah. And then you and go I up challenge. and you notice that they're playing it. It's a game of balance oh, okay. and yeah. deception. <laughs> uh, well, the guy that she dispenses with right before me, I think, is is the great Carl Mazacone, okay. who at the time was the um, he's uh, a big Hollywood producer. But at the time, he was the locations guy on the film. And he was also the guy that built the tank, you know, oversaw building the tank. Oh, wow. The water Whoa. tank down on the on the uh, SeaWorld grounds. And Carl went on to great acclaim uh, with, you know, the the Saw movies and uh, that studio. And uh, and he also did the last Texas Chainsaw uh, reboot. I, I, I don't know if there was one recent. It was the one There's before that. Anyway, on the it, way, it's but, hard to yeah. keep track. Oh, it's <laughs> on the way. Yeah, There's one on the way. Rebooting. Okay. Anyway, mm. old friend of mine, I met him on that show, and there he was being an extra in the in the film. So, hmm. oh, that's wild. little little trivia there. That's the produce great, one man. of the producers of a couple of the Saw movies and Texas Chainsaw, Damn. in keeping with our our theme our here. Theme, yes, yes, certainly, yeah, yeah. But that's uh, yeah. No, I love that scene, <laughs> and uh, you know, of course, it leads into you know, crazy mischief out on the beach. You know, ah, uh, that was embarrassing. <laughs> Really? That was that was really embarrassing. You know, I'm not a I'm not a buff guy. You know, yeah, I was slender, but I didn't have a six packs and all that shit. And and when they said, Oh yeah, you gotta run around in your bathing trunks, it was I don't know how I got through it, but I didn't eat a lot and uh I still can't believe I'm running around in my jockey shorts <laughs> chasing Leah. And uh Well that part's believable. I, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. But that was true. Uh I I can't believe I uh, I couldn't say no to that because it's in the script and I didn't know how to get around that. Uh, okay. mm. 
So no one seemed to care. Whereas uh, a lot of times in my career, uh, I've been told on tele when I was an actor on television or something, hey, you need to lose weight before you come back next year or something like that. Or you really don't have the proper physique for television. Literally, showrunners have told me this. Yes. Mm. Yes. This is Hollywood for you. Yeah. So luckily, nobody said anything about that to me because they were all looking at Leah. Hopefully, so. Yeah, there's ample distraction in that scene. But uh, I have I have great sympathy for anyone who has to shed their shirt, uh, men specifically, mm-hmm. on uh, in movies or television. I just I just understand the discomfort if you're oh, and if you're, you're someone in three D. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I remember that. That was a nighttime scene. I was very cold. I found the uh, most of the time um, uh, when you'd come to set, you just were going to be wet. So there was there was literally a lot of wetness uh, in, in that film. I remember being cold a lot, even though it was a, a warm climate down there. We were there in the winter time, though. Okay. I think you can see people's breath on screen some of the night. Oh, is that right? Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah Every I once in a so. while. But that's uh, so. Speaking about the script, like, how did that come about? As far as you. Did you actively seek this out? Were you a Jaws fan or you were like, hey, this is just a feature film? No, no, no. I was part of a thousand young men and women who auditioned for that movie at the time. And I do remember all my friends who were at coming up at the same time and doing somewhat better than me, i.e. Helen Hunt. Mm. Uh, she, she, we would, we'd be talking cause we did angel dusted and yeah. we'd be talking like, okay, when did you go in? Did you, did you, who'd you read for? And then I, we saw each other one day on callbacks. Uh, another person I saw was Jennifer Jason Lee, who I was floored by because, mm. you know, fast times had been out and I was like, just amazed by her. And she uh, was reading for Leah's part. Oh, and wow. all, all, all of them, just, you know, name all of them. Tony Edwards was there. They were all there, you know, reading for these roles. And uh, I do not know how I ended up with it, probably because, I don't know, I was, I was trying to be funny <laughs> most of the time, and I was very relaxed during the auditions. And Joe, I guess Joe liked me, and so did Alan. And then they, I got paired up with Leah at one of the finals, and there was a bit of improvising. And um, I was stunned, you know, I couldn't believe it. Well, that you and say I was you happy to do it. The funny. Yeah. So that brings into the chemistry, too, because you just feel comfortable. You're mm-hmm. already supposed to be brothers and just the situation. You want that chemistry. So that's probably the shoe in for you. Yeah. You know, I hope so. But, you know, now knowing what I know, since I'm a filmmaker and a director and all that stuff, now I know there are other things there are other factors that go into casting people. And, you know, maybe I was the guy that was available and could do it cheap versus the other people who were like asking an arm and a leg. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I yeah, ended up true. making a, nothing. I mean, really not much money at all in that film mm-hmm. for three months work. So it could have been that. I don't know. I'm suspicious of everything because I know so much <laughs> now. And, I just look back on everything. Like I did um, two episodes of uh, Star Trek Next Generation when I was an actor. And I played the blue-headed Benzite from some water planet. And the first one I did, you know, I got the whole appliance. I was the gimmick of the week, you know, the the monster of the week. Yeah. Not a monster, the alien of the week. And uh, 
you know, nine hours of molds and casts and, you know, appliances and latex. And, you know, you couldn't see it was me. And, uh, and, you know, did the show, got to work with all those guys, including Johnny Frakes and Will Wheaton and those guys. And then like, uh, came back a year later, they, they asked me to come back and do it again and, uh, play a different character of the same species. Same alien species. That, yeah. So literally, I looked the same. I had a different outfit. <laughs> and now I was on the bridge bugging everybody. And Picard yells at me for, for being a dick. So, <laughs> But here's the point of my story. I was so thrilled and pleased. I thought, oh, they love me. They're going to, they brought me back. They brought me back. And, you know, now I know, I know how this works. Now they bring me back. It's the guy they made the mold for. They're not going <laughs> to bring, bring a whole new actor in and spend all that money and time putting a new cast on his head. No, they're going to oh get, get the punch guy. He was here a year ago. He cost us nothing. So that's how I can't look at things the same oh, anymore. You know? Yeah. I mean, that makes perfect sense. Is, it, it's totally, it has to be true. It yeah, can't be, yeah. oh, we loved John. He was so good. It couldn't be that. It's like, get the guy. He had the, we still have the blue head on the wall. Yeah. All right. Let's write that episode and put that guy in. <laughs> that's how I do it. But you did have a pivotal turn in that first episode, though. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty performance-based episode. And that was really hard. I, I yes, I, I beat Will Wheaton at whatever the, the test was to get into the Academy, the yeah. Starfleet Academy. But uh, <laughs> so on one hand, I, so I kind of thought they would have brought him back because of that. But yeah, hmm. as but, you it, said. but he's a different guy. Yeah, it's not even like they brought the same guy. I think they they brought it. They brought a different character because they needed that com- character or component to be the nudnik on the bridge. And they guess they didn't want it to be the same guy that be Will. Who knows? Who knows? Mm. Yeah. Who knows? I remember but. seeing that first episode and seeing your name on the on the credits in the beginning, and I'm like, "Where is he?" And I'm waiting, and the whole time you're in it, and I'm like, "Wait yeah. a minute! Oh, that's him!" Because you had that weird Dude, upper lip thing. Oh, remember? there was this thing that stuck out of my chest with lights yeah. on it and dry ice crystals in it, and I had to puff into it in between oh. lines. Jesus. Can you get that to smoke up? I'm going, seriously? I just had to do a monologue of jargon that I don't know what n- means. And then you want me to puff into the tray at the right time. It's pretty funny. Very technical. Uh, I, I can do that stuff, though. I, I did a good job. And then what's funny is, is um, most of the cast didn't know what I looked like. And, you know, I'd, I'd come to set every day, hey, John, how you doing? And, you know, and everyone was nice to me and everything. But, like, if they saw – and one day if they see me walking across a lot without the makeup on on my way home or on my way in, I, I would say hi. And they they would not know who I was. They'd give you the Tim to, Robbins. They'd give me the Tim Robbins. But, but uh, to do reasonably so. To explain. Because- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. and then and then and then – because Junie Lowry Johnson was the casting director of that show, um, she also uh, cast the first generation's film, and I was in that too. Okay, that's and right. her her thing, what they were doing at Star Trek at the time was, is we'd like to get all of our great guest star actors and populate the movie with them. So in the film, there's a, a bunch of small character, small parted characters that had been on the show before, and if you look. You're in the beginning, first. right? Aren't you? In I'm the, the guy with the uh, 
camera on my head. I'm I'm the the journalist that yeah. has a camera built into his head. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to wear this stupid. Anyway, she they call and uh, I go to set and everything. And there's you know I'm on I'm on the bridge with with Shatner for at least two three days, which was an amazing a whole nother wow. episode Ooh, by the way. Boy, when you yeah. got, I got some stories. Okay, wow, and and and. <laughs> James Jimmy Dewan was there and Walter Koenig was there and uh, they would not speak to Shatner. It was fantastic. His oh, book had just come out. They hated him. The book. Yeah. Yeah. The, the yeah. Book. Well, I forgot. Who, about didn't, that thing. who didn't? He was the he's one of the greatest Ted Baxter's in, in, <laughs> in the world. He is that guy. Yeah. He's the template. He told yeah. mm. he is the template of Ted Baxter. Anyway, wow. Uh, yeah, they would go into the turbo lift to you know because the scene required them the door to open and the three of them walk onto the bridge for the first time or whatever. And we're the where I'm the uh, journalist and my buddy Tommy Hinckley's got the microphone or the pad or whatever. He's the mic guy. I'm the camera guy, and. Uh, <laughs> And so they they have to go into the the turbo thing, which is just a fake you know elevator with a, a sliding door that two guys slide like the old days. Mm. And they wouldn't close the doors until right before you know right after the slate and before action they'd close the doors. But as the doors were closing, you know Shatner would like he'd jog into place, and the two of them this is James Dewan is like looking straight down, and Walter is like looking away like oh, wow. that. And the doors close. I'm going. And for the five, 10 seconds before action's called and their queue and the door opens, they're in there alone and they hate the guy. <laughs> they hate, they hate <laughs> Shatner. And I'm just like, I can't even stay in character. I'm, a, I'm sitting on it. I'm like, I'm elbowing Tommy Hinckley on a major movie you know, set playing a part being hired and all i'm doing is like salivating i'm going i can't fucking believe what i'm seeing <laughs> star trek history in front of me and the doors open and they come out and everything and they play the scene and everything and then the scene's over and like walter and and jimmy doing they just like wow you know rick out of there like crazy until yeah, yeah oh, until they're wow. called back just hilarious stuff there's more but oh, let's God. you know let's table that yeah that's a space show not a well, a fish movie. Well, it's all relative. In some, <laughs> some way or another. There's crossover. You could make an argument oh, I got there. Some, uh, that was some good times. And I used to come home every day from call to rap. I would recount the whole day to my wife and anyone else who would listen. I go, you're not going to believe what he did today is literally what I would, how I'd start. <laughs> Oh my God, this is incredible. And that was before texting. I think we all had pagers back then. I think that was like late 80s or something like that. So you couldn't even. Oh, it was 94. Yeah. You may have shot in 93, but yeah, yeah. That was incredible. Because I remember the negotiation involved to get like some of the the classic crew back, and some of them wouldn't come back. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I think there had to be certain deals made in order for those two Mm -hmm. to come back anyway. Sort of like how Roy Scheider arranged it specifically so he could not possibly be involved in Jaws 3D. Well, yeah, I didn't think that was a probability anyway. Well, he he took off of Jaws 2. From what I understand, he took the Blue Thunder deal just to make sure he would definitely have a conflict in schedule. Why was he he contracted to do another one? He wasn't. He he was not. He was 
he did Jaws two to get out of his contract with them the for two picture for a two picture deal. Oh, uh, well, he was gonna he was gonna do the Deer Hunter, right? And, oh. and he didn't agree with the script. He didn't buy that whole ending to the Deer Hunter, and so they were really? banking on him being in it. Mm. And he tapped out, and they made a deal to if he did Jaws two, that would that would constitute two films, because he'd already wow. done Sorcerer with William Friedkin, right? So that would right. have been the third one. I like how you used the original title for that one, not the retitle "Wages of Fear" that came Wages a of Fear. later. Yeah. yeah, I uh, I just saw that about two, three, two, three years ago at the DGA at a screening, and um, Friedkin was there, and he talked about it. Oh and wow! I don't know if you've ever gone to any event where that guy talks. He, that guy can talk. He's a for I've not for been days, him, but yeah, I've, I've, he's one and that'll he, listen to any he story he tells. Yeah. He remembers everything. He remembers every name, and he remembers every crew member. I just can't believe it. Like he's he's naming people up on the the guy wouldn't stop talking about sorcerer. I heard the whole story. I was there with a friend of mine, and uh, it was great. It was great. Uh, Scheider was. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think he did the right thing. I think he really did the right thing. <laughs> you know? Well, Jaws 3D, it should have been more about the kids. Yeah, well, that that's point, the other thing, know? too, is I don't know that it Oh, the was two ever... kids. Yeah, yeah, it could have been. Yeah. yeah. You've heard the story that Carl Gottlieb wrote a comedy version, right? Like right. a spoof right. for on an airplane. Yeah. Jaws 3 people yeah. zero, I think is what it was yeah. called. Exactly. Exactly. And um, okay. yeah, it really, I, I got to think you're right about that. Cause when I heard there was a third one and I was reading for the character of the grown up little kid that was afraid of the, you know, the one playing with the bullets on the beach or the, or the, the one yeah, the kid that was afraid two. of the one. Yeah. 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 I thought, wow, this is great. I would want it. Cause the two spent time with all those kids on the boats, which I thought was great. Keith Gordon and all those people yeah. and uh, seemed interesting, especially if you had Dennis Quaid, but mm. You know, you read the whole thing, you go, oh, okay, we're at a theme park, we're at an amusement park, and yeah. it was a whole, it's kind of weird. They pretty much remade Revenge of the Creature. Which, Is that what it was? Which was also a 3D movie, yeah, and it was it, yeah. based in, I don't remember the theme park in it, but it certainly wasn't SeaWorld. No kidding. But yeah, it was like, you know, they had the attraction, and the creature broke loose and created havoc, and... It's kind of the same. God, thing. you got to wonder, is that Sid Sheinberg's idea or did he just like throw that out one day in a meeting? Make it like what you would call it. And I have you because <laughs> it would have been Sheinberg to shoot down the Zanuck Brown idea to yeah. partner uh, with the yeah. National Lampoon. And then in a way, that's yeah. like that's like George Lucas doing Spaceballs. You don't want them to shit where yeah. they eat. You know what right. I mean? Like it's yeah. probably best that they didn't do that. Well, it's also for the best because they for the Lampoon version, they wanted Joe Dante and. He didn't get that picture and went on to do the howling a little bit later than that. Yeah. So he might not he have done the howling if he had if he'd been involved with this instead. Though. Yeah. This is amazing. Your knowledge. I mean, that's well, <laughs> good job. This is this is, uh, this is our world. So mm. from a <laughs> different angle as a fan, you know. But yeah. So we I don't know that there was ever a scripted version, including Martin Brody. I don't know that there was ever a possibility mm, that they were going to try to wrangle Scheider to do it or, or they just said, screw it. We're just going to do a whole different plot, take it to, to Florida, put the kids in it and then move on from there. Yeah. I don't know, but it works. I mean, it, it's it like works. I said, it's, it's kind a of a logical progression story-wise you've already Scheider would have benefited nothing, nothing from doing this. I mean, he kind of covered it twice. So mm, why yeah. do it? You know? 
talking about if we just briefly about number four, my connection to Lance Guest. Let me explain that. You did a short film he, with him. You did. You no, did. You did. You oh, did. I did. Uh, and I knew him in the rooms all those years. And uh, you know what was the great movie he did with Robert Preston? The last, the, the Star last Starfighter. Yeah, yeah, incredible movie. Yeah. Fun. Anyway, Lance did number four. Right. He he was. He would. I don't know. Who, did he play one of the boys, or did he play somebody new? I can't remember. No, he plays uh, the Dennis Quaid role. Oh, he yeah. plays Dennis Quaid. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Lance was also in one of those Jim Wynarski, you know, crash point crap movies that I was in because <laughs> I was, I was directing for the same company action movies with just hilarious titles and actors in them. And, and then Jim was also there doing his, you know, stock footage movies. That's what He's they were back then. Andrew Stevens company. Yeah. This is Andrew, Andrew's company and Ashok's company. It was called, uh, for a while, it was called Phoenician. Before that, it was called Royal Oaks. Yeah. Anyway, a lot of video in the 80s. Anyway, so Lance is in. I, uh, Jim says to me, Johnny, the, the guy that's playing the whatever his name was, he was some TV actor. I can't get him uh, approve the insurance because he's got a bad ticker. I need you to be this guy and play and have the heart attack for me, you know, in the snow. <laughs> and I go, Jim, I'm... 30. What, you, <laughs> what? He goes, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You could, you could have had a bad ticker. You, know, you could have a valve. Anyway, I go, okay. He goes, look, I need you to be. So anyway, so I, I get Shanghai into this and all I want to do is direct and I'm fine directing, but even though I still was acting, it was like, you know, it was kind of fun. It was like being at a Corman studio. So, so I, I'm on this crash point crap movie and I'm, I've directed two, three of these movies for Andrew, and I know what's going on. I know the crew. I know it's all the same. Everything's the same, and we all know what's going on. But Lance, <laughs> who had been cast to be the hero guy or something, had no idea what he was getting into with Jim. Wow. And, uh, and I had done uh, you know, my short film, and, and I'd known him. He dated many friends of mine, and he was a good guy. And we'd see each other occasionally. And uh, and he shows up on set and um, there's a scene. We're in a plane and uh, there's a scene in the script where a helicopter lands on top of a mountain. This is also, I think, from Cliffhanger. They use this footage <laughs> where, they, where they, a, a helicopter comes in and either strafes this little shack or they rescue somebody. I don't remember. The point is, is somebody has to jump out of a helicopter. OK. And Lance's character is has to do that. <laughs> And he says to me, we're like in between shots and we're on the airplane. He's going, how are they going to do that helicopter thing? I mean, I, they have, no one's talked to me about stunts or anything. And how do they have the money to do this? And I literally looked at him, just tears streaming down my face of, of, of laughter. I was going, oh, no, no, no. You're not going to jump from a helicopter. That's stock footage from Cliffhanger. Did, didn't you know that? He, got, he, turned, he turned blue. He, he like literally was looking around like, get me off this picture. It was oh, hilarious. Wow. <laughs> it was hilarious. And he didn't know. He was just like, here's, oh, no. here's a million dollar film. Go play this hero. It's this great thing. You know, when you're an actor and you're in your 20s or 30, whatever, you're, mm -hmm. you, you go do the job. But he had, he had no idea what he was in for. 
And I explained to them how they do the sequences. I go, you know, this plane crash we're in and we're playing. I believe this is the movie it was where it was the plane crash. Uh, it was either that or another one. It was another airplane because they once they had airplane footage from a couple different movies. You mm. would use them over and over again. Write so, the script around it. But yeah. but he, uh, I said, you know the the plane crash we're pretending to do. He goes, yeah. I go, cliffhanger. Remember that plane crash? Yeah. That's that's probably what you're gonna see. <laughs> if you loved cliffhanger, you're gonna love your performance of this. <laughs> oh my god, he was so he was so upset. I remember. I'm sure he would laugh about it now. And then I remember I had to talk down Susan Blakely. Um, in, in, in a scene and because Jim's a rather rough around the edges guy. And if you don't know him, he's a teddy bear. If you don't know him, you could get really upset by him or insulted by him. And Susan Blakely was terrified of him. And this is Susan Blakely from towering Inferno, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Susan Blakely. I was just like, I was like, oh my God, I get to be, I'm talking to Susan Blakely. Um, I had to, I had to explain to her about Jim. I said, don't ever be upset with anything he says to you. He'll yell out at you stuff that you will not believe comes out of a director's mouth about your your last read or your last take. And I said, just don't, whatever you do, he is not, he does not mean it. And be, be don't worry about it. And she was so happy to hear that. And, mm. and uh, I got to have a nice couple days with Susan Blakely. Thanks, Jim. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is a Johnny idea. Punch. <laughs> Johnny Punch. His Poseidon adventure. It's the longest. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Love Wynarski, man. Oh. Oh, well, let me just finish up. Wynarski, the reason he's in American Pie Book of Love, you know, is because myself and Mike Elliott, who is the producer, all worked. Came from Cornwall. We've all came from, yeah. And, uh, and, and when that part came, when they were like uh, back then, oh, the money they had then, we brought him up to, we had to convince them to that he was a new up and coming older guy. And we actually credited him in, in, in the credits as introducing. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and, and no one, no one, no one said, uh, hey, what are you doing? None of that. It was just like flew by. It was, we laughed so hard. Anyway, so we had him up there and he played insane son of monique the the soon to die hooker 80 year old hooker <laughs> he does give a compelling performance oh my god and that's where that little clip came from on that podcast wow that uh wow. that you quoted oh my god yeah it was a riot anyway good stuff man oh wow all right, what else? What about should we talk about some a little more of the movie here? Bess Armstrong, love her. Well, yeah, that's something I wanted to talk about because in a way this is kind of her movie, more so than Beyond. Dennis Quaid. Yeah. Because she did a lot that's of fair. she had to train with the dolphins, a lot of yep. that. And she gives I don't know, she gives like the most of course she's the most knowledgeable character in the film. Yeah, she's the smart, brainy, you know, good looking you know, scientist. Oh yeah. Uh, she's great. Uh, I just had lunch with her last year before pre COVID. Wow. We reunited and had a, a lunch together. It was so much fun. She looks the same. Seriously. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the same. But she lives in LA and is still an actress and loves to get, she said she's been getting some TV work on some recently on stuff. She's just a good, 
a good nut. I uh, I was single handedly responsible for getting all of the actors' condos uh, during the filming of that because they had us at the Sheraton Sea World Hotel, and you're looking at like months at, in a hotel. I had the idea. I went to the. Uh, I heard some of the crew were getting apartments, you know, just to get out of the hotel. And uh, so I went to the UPM and I said, I said, do you mind if you can you just take the money you would spend on the hotel room for me? And would would I be able? Could you just let me rent a condo or something? He goes, yeah, well, I'll do that. And he like he literally just gave me cash or something for the amount spent on the condo. And uh, I went out and and uh, rented a, a two story condo with a pool and like two three bedrooms and like furnished for like nothing i mean nothing i mean it might have been like 400 you know for the month or something it was so cheap and and then rented budget rent a car back then in orlando because there was car wars back then was 99 dollars a month unlimited mileage so guess who rents a a brand new camaro while he's there (laughs) me Okay, so like I like I had and the per diem they gave you, I didn't touch my salary because the per diem was so enough per day that you just it was it was ridiculous. Like I might have had at the time it was a lot. It was like it must have been five hundred a week in cash at least. Maybe it was more. (laughs) That's a lot, and uh, and that's I that's what I lived off of, and uh, bought the camera that. I ended up taking that photo with that we talked about. And, uh, you know, I used that and I rented the condo. And then, and then Bess heard about it. Dennis heard about it. Bess goes, whoa, 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 whoa. I want, I want that. I said, all right, I'll hook you up. And uh, so I hooked her up with my realtor lady that I found. And she ended up getting Dennis a house. Bess had a, a house. Uh, I think Lou went off, did it too. I, I'm sure Leah did too as well. Uh, yeah, so I got basically was the concierge to uh, to get to get people out of the uh, hotel into. And I can't believe they let them do that. Uh, nowadays, they wouldn't they wouldn't let that. And how happen. come Gossett didn't have better accommodation? No, he probably did. I don't really remember doing anything for him. He probably had his own thing to begin with. I'm sure he had a, a, a rental house. But we were all we were all in the hotel, and we got the other the rest of us were in the hotel, and we got we got out. Nice. <laughs> the whole production owes you a tremendous debt. I, I did some things. I, I was responsible. <laughs> I have a few things, you know. I'm responsible. You made an impact. Yeah, I was the probably the most beloved actor amongst the <laughs> uh, skiers, the the skiers really? and the boat guys. They were we we hung out with them all the time. I loved them, and I'm still in touch with a couple of them. And uh, what else? I learned how to jet ski. That was pretty fun, even though I didn't need to do it in the movie. I was out there with Dennis learning how to jet ski. That could have been a great scene. I know. Sure. I was pretty good at it. Could have wrote that in. I was really good at it. I still can jet ski to this day, the stand-up kind. Well, you you got to do the bumper boat, you know. Got the bumper boat. Could not not water ski, though. Could not water ski. I went out with Leah to learn water skiing on a lake. You know, they sent me out to with Dennis and Leah all the time to do stuff, even though I didn't have to do it in the movie, I guess just to bond. And uh, I mm. could not stand up on two skis. Not a chance. Couldn't do it. But yeah. I was there. I don't think like, I've never like tried skating it, on so. water. I, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. But 
There should have been a, a, now that you say jet ski, there really should have been a jet ski movie in the 80s. Yeah, how like come just there as wasn't? A sport. Like, I always wanted one, like I a know. rad or something like that. There's yeah. another kind of movie, Ben. They, could, they skipped jet skis? I mean, you, they touch on it a little bit in Police Academy 3. They have that whole end sequence that's on the jet skis. But I was like, give me a whole movie you about could, you that. You could like even, work contest, the, something. A, even work the 80s training montage into the whole jet ski thing. Yeah. It would have been fabulous. I know. There's so many things. Missed. Oh, I just looking at the IMDb, it says Carl Mazicone, the producer that was in the standoff. He's listed as the standoff player. Oh, That's and I it? forgot he his first film he produced was Boxing Helena. You might have heard of that film. Oh, oh wow. my God. Really? Yeah. yeah. Jennifer Lynch. Yeah. No, no, not Jennifer Lynch. The, oh, yes. Jennifer Lynch. Because yes. they just remade yeah. it recently. And didn't mm-hmm. Je- did Jennifer? Oh, did? Yeah, I think, so. I think did Jennifer Lynch remake her own movie? I don't think so. I don't think I don't so. For sure. Uh, I have some really sense. great photos of, the, you know, the security on this was like you had a badge that was laminated with a tag on it that you clipped to your shirt and it had the profile of a shark. I have a picture of it I could send you and a number. <laughs> and it, uh, I was number six. Having the low number was always what you wanted. I think Dennis had number one or something. You know, Joe had one or something. Anyway, I had number six. And but the uh, you could walk around the back areas of SeaWorld where they would they had the effects people were back there. They get you know, there were like buildings and warehouses that weren't being used that they were actually building the sharks in and the dolphins and all the animatronic stuff. And literally, I would walk around with my friend Jonathan, who came down from New York to be my stand in and PA on the movie. Uh, We walk around, take pictures. you know, with Bruce, like literally hanging from a, it's, it, you know, you know, you're like this, nice. you know, the, you're, you're doing the whole posing in front of sharks. It, it's crazy. And no one chased you away. No one, no one said, Hey, don't do that. And you know, no one said, we're, Hey, give me those negatives. Nothing. <laughs> I have, I, I have, would now. Yeah. I have folders yeah, yeah. and folders and folders of pictures and uh, I've collected all of Carl's pictures. Joe gave me all of his. I have wow. I have like hundreds Damn. and hundreds of photos of from from the making of that film, which is too bad uh, this, this isn't a, a, a visual uh, podcast. Yeah, but yeah, you know, yeah. uh, we'll get there someday. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, could even you could even do part of the book in three D. So you could use the glasses and everything. Uh, yeah, that'd be something. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? You know what's funny is is uh, will anyone remember it? You know that's the thing. There'll be oh a, there's there's oh yeah. There's great fandom, but I think a lot of the fandom is from the cheesy aspect, which mm. you can either agree with or not. But oh, for sure, they they for come sure. at they come at it from a different perspective, and yeah, I think, there's an appreciation of it. It's the cheese factor. Well, it's certainly a lot. Yeah. Of, it's more fun to watch than An- Amityville 3D. Why was that meant to be? Was that cheesy? Oh. I, didn't well, it's, it's, I don't know. It's a lot more serious, whereas this one has this infectious fun about it. Mm. That's on purpose i mean just the chemistry between the characters and mm-hmm. and speaking of characters i gotta ask you about one of the best characters in the movie yeah philip fitzroyce mr simon <laughs> mccorkin oh god bless him rest in peace yeah rest in peace indeed loved him yeah. loved love perfectly loved cast him. perfectly was, cast in this movie hey to me he was manimal okay yeah do you remember manimals Fuck yeah Fuck yeah. Oh, my yes god. yes <laughs> you know handsome whitest teeth ever charming I was looking at him going, it's Manimal. I'm, I'm working with Manimal. <laughs> <laughs> he, 
you know? And, yeah. and, it, and then his, uh, he was so great. And I, I got a chance to talk with him when I was in uh, London casting the Poseidon Adventure in 05. I, oh, I brought, wow. Susan came in, his wife, Susan George, Susan the George. actress came in and read for uh, a role. And, uh, and before that though, I, or I, or I identified myself to her and, and said, is there any way I could call Simon? And I did. And I had a nice conversation with him and, uh, oh, and then, you know, boom, just like that, he was gone, you know, in the last yeah, wasn't five too or long six years. After that. Yeah. 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 I found out online. I didn't know. Anyway, hmm. yeah, no, sweet guy. Uh, loved what he did in the movie. He was so at ease as well. Good guy. Yeah. Yeah. And him and P.H. Moriarty have a great chemistry, oh, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they play off well from one another. P.H., I've seen a lot of him over the years because he stayed in touch with Carl Mazacone. And whenever he would come into town, into the States, he would he would usually stay at Carl's. And there'd be, you know, cocktails and cigars and we'd have a good good reunion what about uh your experience with the original jaws do you remember the first time you saw it oh amazing terrified it was it was tremendous i had read the book because everyone had read the book and i i don't even remember i was yeah it was it was the mid it was like 76 or 5 the book came out when, 75 well 74 mm -hmm. was the book yeah and then 75 oh my god yeah i was doing yeah. summer theater in pennsylvania and i read I read it and was amazed by it. Yeah, I, I, I think the, the book and the movie that, you know, that thing they did with Ho Hooper, the, the change between, the you know, that he didn't yeah. have, he didn't have the, the uh, affair with uh, Scheider's oh, wife. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a, too bad they didn't go there. That was interesting. Um, but yeah, the book was terrifying. And then, of course, I read immediately after that, I read The Deep when it came out. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And I saw that movie, which, had a, Louis Gossett Jr.'s in there. I know. Yeah. I know. And yeah. then, uh, by the way, with a far more titillating and erotic opening than the girl swimming in the first Jaws film. Let's face it. Jacqueline Bissett ah. rhymes with kiss, kiss it. it. Please. Yeah. Please. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, so I read The Deep and then I was reading all that stuff and waiting for the movies to come out. So, yeah, it, it was something that was a seminal film. And then going to see the movie, my, you know, my dad took me to see it. Uh, and my, I think the whole family went. Maybe my mom didn't. She didn't care for the those kind of movies because she was in the theater. <laughs> so uh, yeah, loved it. Uh, I remember loving that movie. And then of course I lined up for part two, and uh, I still love that. In part two, I was the I wasn't the only one, but like like talk about things that they left in the movie they shouldn't have. Like you know at the end when the Bruce is biting on the power line. Mm -hmm. you, you can yeah. you can see the wire off to the right holding the line yeah. where the sleeve doesn't yeah. cover the the cable they were using let's go yeah, like, you know. just blow that up blow that shit up yeah people. in panavision yeah you, just and you, you, you can do that. an optical you you could literally could have put that in the optical printer and blown well, that up well, i think no really one saw it until they finished the print because they edited those movies on those stupid upright moviolas back then and you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah of you're course. You're literally yeah. looking. It's like you're on a submarine yeah. looking little through a so, sonar yeah. thing to look at the, you know, the sonar. And uh, I couldn't believe it. When I was started making movies, the last thing I wanted was a movie. Oh, like I got a flat bed. It had a bigger <laughs> screen. I rented the, you know, the, the 
the moviola or the st- or the chem flatbed and you had at least had a giant screen but yeah mm. i mean the stuff missed if you weren't well, really by you know by the time it gets to the end of jaws 2 if the audience is still with you at that point then they're going to forgive I mean, he quite kills a, a helicopter so <laughs> yeah it's an amazing <laughs> it's amazing doesn't he shoot yeah. it again and something explodes didn't didn't they do something they repeated the the shooting of something not Probably. the not the compressed in gas two. in part one but th- doesn't he like kind of do the well, same there's thing? that accident no, no. Well, he blows up in that earlier scene with the water skier. Oh. But there's not... Yeah, he... Well, he shoots like crazy on the beach, of course, and shoots at nothing. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the shark bites the, the electric fish. cable and electric... And, right. Right, okay. Okay. But yeah, isn't he also... Lenny... Sh- is he shooting at something to get him to bite it or something? I can't remember. I thought he was. No, he's, made, he's got, like, the paddle from the boat, and he's making the sounds. <laughs> On the cable, on, oh, yeah. on the electric cable to attract him, and it happened to work out fine for him. So, <laughs> oh yeah. man, that's awesome. Oh, yeah, no, I was in, I was into those movies, and I really thought part three was going to, you know, launch my career and like send me off into into the world of move major movies and. Not to be the case. You've done okay for yourself. Well, I mean, you could say the same for a lot of the people in it, too. I mean, yeah, well, Bess Armstrong's underappreciated. And yeah. well, Leah Thompson, people- I think, just got lucky with some roles, obviously, soon after. It's, yeah, it should have catapulted. I mean, it was a hit film. It wasn't the gigantic hit that the original was. Made a bunch but, of money. Yeah. I think Dennis, Dennis came out pretty good off of that one so did lou but they were mm-hmm. untouchable to, to when they came in the rest of us kind yeah, of yeah. i don't know yeah leah had something else going for her there she got right into all the right moves before it was too late you know before they caught yeah. on mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but who knew that would have been a hit movie i mean you had this yeah. unknown tom cruise as the lead in that so here's here's a funny leah story i i She'll, if she, even if she heard this, I don't think she'd object because she was a kid then. They, there was at one point in the film, there was d- discussion of doing a, a foreign version with nudity. Okay. Mm. So there yeah. was, this was broached uh, as only it would be from, you know, that company. Uh, I remember Leah saying, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, they can't make me do that. I go, no, of course not. Of course they can't. Well, can they, uh, you know, I'm going to paint magic marker X's on my boobs. And that way, if I, you know, if I, if I take my shirt off, they can't use the footage. I go, there you go. But guess what? You don't have to just, just say no, it's okay. You don't, you don't, no one asked you to do that. And if they did, you have to get a lot more money and you know, all this stuff. And she goes, you know what? I'm never doing nudity ever mm-hmm. in my career. I will never, in this ever, year, ever, I won't do any more nudity. nudity. The very next film completely nude with tom cruise yes yes i'll never forget yes that. <laughs> here's another one once i was doing a tv episode of something with salma hayek and she'd never done anything before and she was you know we were the leads in this show and uh she told me at dinner one night i'm going to learn english so well i'm going to get rid of my accent and so I cannot be pigeonholed into Latina characters for the rest of my career. The next time you see me, I will, I will, I will 
be be you will think I'm an English woman. Hmm. That Desperado. <laughs> didn't exactly. <laughs> Thankfully, she did not, you know, f- go through with that idea. But yeah, because because goes to show you that what the perception that some people have or had going into, you know, their mm. careers. It was funny. Anyway, it's a good well, good she didn't that. go through with that because she's you know done quite well playing herself. I think Robert Rodriguez but, even said that she wasn't considered bankable at the time when they did Desperado. And I think he even fought for her to be in that. So, well, I don't know what I she mean, did before then. So, you know, yeah, but I mean that, I mean that catapulted her, yeah. you know, and believing in her. Totally. So it is a hard presence to forget in that movie. with Selma Hayek. For sure. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, <laughs> totally. And then from dusk till dawn right after that. Yeah. Oh, that came after. <laughs> That's yeah. the one I remember. Mm-hmm. Possible. I think he's still the only guy I can. He's the only guy I can think of that did a movie trilogy where each successive movie cost less to make than the one before it, which was the Spy Kids trilogy. That's great. Good for like him. Each one got successively less expensive because he found better ways of doing it than he did the yeah. movie before. Yeah, because he's like he's that. he's in he's knows the mechanics too. Mm-hmm. He's you know, Mike and the mechanics, or yeah, <laughs> could be. <laughs> could be. No, but that brings it back to Spy Kids 3D actually broke the record that Jaws 3D held as oh. far as like biggest opening 3D film. I remember it was huge. W- would you consider directing a 3D movie? Uh, would I consider that? Um, uh, I probably would, would do it just because of the mm. experience. And uh, the part of uh, making a movie for me now, for me is, is not always about how it turns out. It's, it's about the process and the people and 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 the experience like being able to tell stories like we're doing right now is mm-hmm. kind of more important than the end result because uh let's face it the art has left the building in, in this uh in this town yeah i would that's a long-winded well, answer isn't it no it's, that's a that's a good answer unless it was and absolutely I, I just wondered. abhorrent and i just couldn't relate to it you know, mm. if it, if it's a torture movie, I would say I would say no. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't like torture movies. I can't. I just can't do it. I can't. I don't like to watch them. And I can't imagine like going, yeah, let's d- d- scream louder. Make make it seem like you're you're someone just tore your innards out. You know, I, I can't. Can you? I just mm. can't imagine. It's I would hard to be give the, direction on that. I would, I would be the director. <laughs> I would, I would so. be the director going, "Are you okay after that take?" Yeah. <laughs> That's what I would be. I go because that was horrible and I, uh, horrible to watch. <laughs> you're doing so great, you're but sure this is—I just got to tell you, you're traumatized, and I want—I want to help. <laughs> I'm going to put you up in a condo after this. Yes, I promise. <laughs> yes, with my jaws three per diem. <laughs> oh my God! Let's see what other tidbits. Uh, never had tequila before. Until uh, that show, that movie, Jaws 3D. And I can oh, thank Dennis yeah. Quaid for introducing me to Cuervo Gold, which turns out to be the worst tequila yes. you could ever drink. Yet, uh, we're not he, sponsoring the show, so we're okay. Yeah, he taught me how to drink <laughs> tequila. He was so funny. He kept giving me shots. And then the mm. next day, I was barfing all day long. Thank you, Dennis. So, uh, that, uh, was that prior to the breakfast table scene? No, Were but I, I called on it. I recalled it in okay. my acting because I heard, you know, when you're an actor, you're supposed to recall, right? Sure. Yes, yes. <laughs> Just a few days prior. Yeah, yeah, I recalled it. <laughs> wow. Now, I was just wondering uh, how much 
of the experience did you uh, take with you in terms of doing the movie Deep Water Poseidon? Did any of the Jaws 3D experience? <laughs> you do have a shark in Deep Water, by the way. Oh, let me. Oh, thank you for bringing that up. By the way, it was called Intrepid first. Yes. And then they changed it to Deep Water because probably someone Which else had an intrepid title. movie. What? Intrepid? Yeah. Intrepid's an awesome title. Deep yeah. Water is like, what? I yeah. think it's because the foreign whatever changed. Anyway, that was the, the James uh, Coburn yeah. stock footage movie. And I tell you what, <laughs> when <laughs> you're laughing, but it was. That was a stock footage no, movie. Just the, just like Crash Point Crapo that he was doing for Jim. Yeah. yeah. It was a, it's Andrew. That was they cha- they changed the name of the company every 3 or 4 years because so the <laughs> the foreign buyers wouldn't think it was them again. It was really it's the best thing ever. No more cliffhanger footage, was, please. Was, yes. There was a, there was one foreign uh one buyer in the foreign Andrew told me he goes, "We're not allowed to use Jim's name anymore because Japan had a problem with the footage. He used it twice and they bought the same and they were claiming they bought the same movie. And anyway, so then Jim became Jay Andrews and and they did a bunch of movies under Jay Andrews because of that reason. But anyway, uh, Deepwater uh, Intrepid was funny uh, because there was that shark sequence inside the flooded whatever. And um, we borrowed, I rented... um, the shark from Baywatch, the TV show. And, okay. and I called the guy that created it. He was a former lifeguard. I forgot his name. Anyway, they were down on in Culver City. And, and I, you know, we went over there and said, is there any way we could, you know, they were down. The production was down for, you know, they were on a hiatus or something. It was near Thanksgiving of that year. And so we rented their shark, but it was a stiff shark. It, it didn't flex or move or anything. So really all you could do was hold the tail off camera off frame and push it you know so there's like i'm in there doing it or somebody else is in there like going and like having it like push and like bang into the thing and then you cut away real quick and then we mixed footage of stock footage of sharks from you know blue planet or one of these one of these other things and um what was full circle oh i know it was full circle Mm. i used the trailer for that movie to get the poseidon adventure job uh, from Larry Levinson over at uh, his company that made that for Hallmark Channel, and uh, because it capsizes too, doesn't it? The ship capsizes in deep water. It does, but that was CG, which okay. There, there is no. But I mean, was that like a deciding factor? Because you kind of almost do a little Poseidon adventure in deep water already. I did because I that needed to be a sequence, and we did the old the Shatner where you tilt the camera and everybody does this. You know, <laughs> and, yes. and it works. And that's where I devised the shoot down at the, the floor and cock the camera a little bit and then have people off camera throwing plates and chairs skidding through the frame. And someone's on a cable, you know, and you pull the stuntman by on a cable and it worked. It low budget cheese worked. And it's all the Shatner thing that, that I learned from watching Star Trek. Then when we did Poseidon Adventure, uh, I, I literally told them we're going to do this as w- uh, the same thing, except I had all the toys. I had cranes, you know, I had like multiple cameras. I had like, you know, 25 people off camera doing and they're all in the they're all in there. The same shots used in deep water are all in the Poseidon thing wow. and they look great. And then, of course, yeah, they do. Yeah. Poseidon had a, a tilting uh, set. They literally had an engineers built a giant 
circle, a like gimbal? a hamster, a, gimb- a, a, a hamster cage. And then a set was like built inside it, like a, a stateroom set, or there was, there was two that we used, a stateroom and a, and a storeroom. And you dress it and we bolted a camera to the floor that went around with the, uh, with, you know, stayed at floor level, but was bolted and went upside down all the way around. And then there were other cameras shooting at the same time, everything else. And that, that was a real tilt set, which was an, uh, an amazing thing. But everybody in the mm. ballroom, guess what they're doing? They're doing the Shatner. <laughs> and, and the Dutch head and everything. And I have such yeah. good behind the scenes footage of that movie. I have 70 hours of behind the scenes Holy of, of that TV movie that I shot when I was there thinking the fans would want this someday. I still have it. It's on a hard drive and I, I look at it all the time in the closet and go, I, I could cut an unbelievable behind the scenes movie right now with this footage. Yeah, and it'd be like a second disc two disc release or something yeah re-release yeah or the third or fourth disc yeah 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 anyway that so that's how the connection <laughs> yes i had experience with the <laughs> with the capsized ship and that trailer as cheesy as the movie was the trailer was pretty good because they did good trailers at, at andrew's place i walked into larry levinson's office when i heard they were doing it. i said larry i've done this kind of movie before i need you to watch this trailer because you need to think of me you know, for this film, I had done like two other ones for him, dramas. And he, he watched it. And, you know, and then like, I don't know, like four days later, I got the job. So, wow. Well, I have a funny story, uh, a funny story, Poseidon story. Remember, I had an unbelievable cast in this movie. And uh, yeah, you did. P- Peter, Peter Weller, Weller I was just going to say, he, yeah. you know, the chin, we called him the chin because of Robocop. <laughs> that dude is intense. Yeah, he's so intense. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted to be called the captain on set. And uh, just call me the captain. And, you know, when I said, Peter, I need you to captain, you know, he'd, he'd say that like, a, okay, so like first day of shooting goes by, everything's fine. And like afterwards, I shook his hand. He goes, thank you. I go, I go, great, great. I said, Peter, I said, can I call you Peter when we're not working? He goes, yeah, of course. I went, I, okay, thank you. Because this is not, this is too hard for me. I said, you know, we're, I, come on. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, you're technically the captain. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't have to refer not, to you as captain. Captain, you know, whatever. It was so funny. Uh, that was some funny captains, stories yeah. there. <laughs> got some Rutger Hauer stories. I got. Some, oh my god, there's so many things. Here's a good celebrity story. Speak. I don't know why I went went over. To, I went to Susan Sarandon. Yeah, and right, my yeah. mom did a movie called The Buddy System. I think with Susan Sarandon. Oh, yeah, or, or was it called something else? That sounds right. That sounds right. She, I think she was in that. Okay. Then that went, took me to Nancy Allen, who I don't yeah, know if she was in Brian the, De Palma. Yeah. I don't know if she was in that movie either, but my mom was in a movie with Nancy Allen. And uh, one day I see Nancy Allen at my supermarket in Los Angeles because I, there's a lot of celebrities shop at this Gelson's market over in the Valley, you know, and I, I feel a connection to her because she did this movie with my mom. And so I, you know, I took a chance. I was with my sister. We were having lunch, and and I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go say hi to her. I'm sure she'll think I'm a, you know, a masher or something. But I'm gonna go up there and talk to her. So I went, I went over to her. And by the way, still beautiful, right? Still dressed oh, yeah. gorgeously. Anyway, I went up to her and I said, Hi, Nancy. My name is, you know, and I told her my name. And I said, My mom did a movie with you in blah blah blah. Her name is, you know. Gene Stapleton. And, and, you know, and her look went from sheer terror to, 
oh my god you know she just like she, <laughs> she changed and i said the reason i wanted to say hi is because she's no longer with us as you know but she loved you and loved working with you and appreciated every day she had stuff to do with you on the set and because of that i feel the same way and she literally like, oh, like wow she she melted yeah. and 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 she said oh my god thank you and it's great to know you and then like instantly i'm her facebook friend that day i'm pretty sure it was uh the same movie with uh, via tim robbins but i won't know because i have to look it up and it t she has too many credits to find it so <laughs> <laughs> my mom's reaction is always to the the human that she works with uh, not the really not so much the talent, but it was it was the humanity of the person. And that, that was all that was the that was the way she was. And that's how she struck most people in her life. So I've tried to be that way, except in certain occasions. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Uh -huh. Don't we all? Uh -huh. It's a tough <laughs> yeah. walk. It's a tough walk. Yeah. Yeah. All right, boys. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. You got so much. it, man. It, it has been an honor and privilege. Yeah. Keep I'll in keep touch. Keep in touch with you. Thank All you right. so much, man. All right. Take care, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. You have been listening to a special presentation of the Smooth Thrills Radio Hour. Thank you for listening. The Smooth Thrills Radio Hour is a production of Ghostcraft and is recorded live in Dallas, Texas. Please email your questions and comments to autopilot at smooththrillsradiohour.com. Enjoy the rest of your day. Kisses.